thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you. Hey, uh, can we give Pastor Nathan a big hand? What a great leader. So great. I thought the worship team was so awesome today. Thank you to Katie and the team. They're doing such a great job. And I'm telling you, we have so many wonderful dream teamers, people that get here early in the morning. Uh, many of them get up uh, about 4.30 in the morning and start set, pray together and set up at 6 and taking care of your kids back there. It's pretty amazing. And so let's give it up one time for the dream team. Can we do that, everybody? Yeah. So beautiful. Hey, quick announcement, and that is that... Uh, on um, the last weekend of this month, so two weekends from now, uh, we have our first, what we're calling snapshot for teenagers. So it's going to be in our prayer chapel and the gymnasium of our new building, and uh, it's free. And so it's a Friday night, Saturday, and we'll go through four different sessions, passion, intercession, consecration, mission. We wanna help these teenagers learn how to spend time alone with God. We wanna help them learn how to lead a prayer meeting. We wanna help them learn what it looks like to live a uh, consecrated life in the area of, of purity, uh, during their teen years. And then we want to help them uh, work on what are they called to in terms of evangelism? What does it look like for them to help lead people to Jesus? And so um, I would encourage you, if you're able, to get uh, your teenagers there, or if you have teenagers that you know, um, that would be 13 to 18 or so, uh, seventh grade through, through senior year. Um, that's going to be great. And it is uh, only $499, but no, it's free. And so... Um, <laughs> It's free, and so if you're able to get teenagers there, uh, we're calling it Snapshot because we're saying it's just like a little snapshot of, uh, of the values, just giving them a little taste of what it would look like. And so anyway, I wanna encourage you to uh, have them be there if you can. Hey, we're in this series um, that we've called Becoming Radiant, and here's the idea. We're in week three, um, and, and I loved the moment um, on our seven-year anniversary, the actual day um, where the Bible app uh, verse was those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And so one of the fun things about being the pastor is that there was a swell of excitement and people text me, screenshot it and send it to me. So our church and then people from across the country, Hey, look at this. Y'all are celebrating. And yeah, what's up? You know, and it's kind of like, yeah, our verse. Yeah. And it was our verse. And and I loved it. I was very excited about it. Um, and it's because we've, we've really, um, we've really kind of lassoed in that verse and said, this is who we are. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And for me, uh, when I was 19, I, I, I had a moment uh, just connected to that verse and experiencing the grace of God, the kindness of God, the father heart of God. And so for me, I connect. Um, you've heard me preach so many times about uh, the prodigal son and the father heart. All that was happening for me uh, in late in my teen years. And so that verse kind of embodied it, which was kind of the heartstring that, that caused me to love that verse. And so Renata and I actually, uh, uh, long before we ever actually started the church, uh, we knew that the day that, that it, when it came, we wanted to name it Radiant Church. And so, but um, in addition, there's also a radiant verse that... Um, because of that moment where we all go, hey, this is our verse, um, I, wanna, I wanna lasso in another verse that's got radiant in it. 
uh, because this is a verse that also I think is deeply embedded into our DNA. And so um, when I think of it, I think of every local church uh, should do some basic things. I think every local church should be uh, working diligently to help lost people come to know Christ. I think every local church should help uh, people that already know Christ get discipled and become greater disciples of Jesus. I think every local church should help people um, get equipped, discover what God's called them to do, and I think be filled with the power of God and work on environments and spaces and sermon series and processes to help people be filled with supernatural power. Start preaching when I say this. And I think another one is, is to help not just equip the saints for the work of the ministry, but actually empower, mobilize the people of God to do the ministry. And so that it's not just a couple people on a stage with a singer and a speaker, but it's us being a radiant light in the city. So I think all that, and I think that there's some unique things that are unique to local churches where there's a DNA, there's things that God's done inside of them. And I think that this idea of radiant, even in, in the naming of our church, um, is connected in addition to Psalm 34, 5, I'm, I'm, I'm going after Ephesians 5, and I'm hoping that on our 14-year anniversary, when suddenly the Bible app says this verse, Ephesians 5, everybody screech out, what's up? This is our verse too, right? And so um, that's what I'm doing, is I'm, I'm trying to get this verse deep into our root system as well. So Ephesians 5 reads like this, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, say holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. That's interesting. That's the point I want to go after today. Cleansing her by washing with water through the word. So it's the how. How is he making her radiant and holy? It's through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Actually, the message paraphrase right there says, radiant with holiness. So this is, this is a holiness series, and we've spent the last two weeks defining something that exists in the culture and then saying, how do we be a people that look different in that culture? So we, we only, <laughs> I tried to do one week and accidentally did two, but the idea that I felt like first was cynicism. There's, there's so much cynicism in our culture, and then we said, how do we fight against that? How do we be a radiant light, or I like this phrase, a colony of light in a dark culture, and we talked about celebration, being the people of God that celebrate. So we celebrate on our own. We, when we're with God, we celebrate in our cars. We come and we, no matter, no matter what's going on in the world, we celebrate who our God is, and we worship, and we proclaim. And so we went after celebration for the last two weeks, and I want to go after this idea today. Um, I think in our culture, there's a lot of confusion, and I want to go after clarity. Clarity in a culture that's filled with confusion. And I believe that this text, Ephesians 5, the word of God, cleansing through the word of God, I believe the word of God is the how, is the means that will help us take steps so that we have clarity when there's confusion all around us. When there's so many ideas that are broken, you and I have cl clarity. So that's what I wanna go after. Let's pray together and then we'll go after this. Jesus, we love you. Father, we ask, Lord God, I pray that we would... Um, love your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would wash us with this cleansing with water through the word. I pray that that love for the word, living the word, learning the word of God, I pray, would live inside of us. May we be formed by the word of God. May we be a people that truly live as radiant light, a colony of light in a culture that is so far from God. We ask that you would help us. We need your help.
Our own intellect, our own habits, our own determination will fall short. We need God. Do a supernatural work. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said amen. Amen. Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers. And I want to read one of his quotes. One of the things I like about uh, the story of Charles Spurgeon was uh, many times preachers would come to his church. They'd want to learn from the Prince of Preachers because they wanted a church like his. So they wanted to be able to preach like he preached. But he would take them to the Monday night prayer meeting and say, it's not how I preach. It's this prayer meeting that is the engine of the church which I love that. And that's a cultural value for me. And um, that's just a sermon on prayer before I quote this. But anyway, um, he said this, he said this on this idea of the word of God. Nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years within the scriptures. There's a, a balm for every wound, a salve for every sore. The Bible in the memory is better than the Bible in the bookcase. So here's our culture that says, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, I've got a sore, I've got a problem, and we'll look to many different sources other than the Word of God. Here's Spurgeon saying, you'd be surprised what's available in the Word of God for healing. So if you become somebody that knows the Word of God, the Word of God is in your heart, meaning you, you, meaning you learn it, and then you kind of start to love it, then, then when you face a wound, and all of you will face wounds, you'll face betrayal, You'll face disappointment. You'll face um, somebody that hurt you, uh, some kind of wound from work, some disappointment with our physical makeup. And I thought that I would be 80 and look like Tom Cruise making movies. And it turns out it didn't work out that way. Or, you know, whatever is the thing that you tend to, to get a wound on the inside. And here's what happens with the word of God. The word of God forms us. We're always being formed. The question is, is the word of God actually forming us? Or do we allow these other things to form us? Do we, we, do we allow the internet? Do we allow uh, streaming movies? Do we allow the news? Do we allow reels? Do we allow Instagram? Do we allow our friend's opinion? Do we allow the, the, the grumpy person we tend to have coffee with on a, on a regular day? Who forms it? Here's the idea that the word of God, when it gets into our hearts and our minds and our practice, then we so know the word of God that as we face what could potentially be wounds, difficulty, trials, You've got it. So you can turn around and you can, actually we find Jesus, when the enemy comes to, to tempt Jesus in Matthew 4, Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written. So he's on offense. He's got the word of God in him and that's how he's attacking the devil, right? A.W. Tozer says, I talk back to the devil. I want us as Radiant Church to be people. We talk back to the devil. How? We've got the word of God alive inside of us. We've got it in our heads. We've got it in our hearts and we're able to verbalize. Okay, let me say it. Let me speak back. And so my dream for you is to be somebody that your attitude towards the scripture is one that the scriptures, the word of God, helps you with your biggest problems. So you, when you face a difficulty, you go, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm, being, uh, I'm choosing righteousness when nobody else is in this workplace, at this uh, business, at this hospital, in this high school. And, but you go, oh, I, I, I know the story of Noah, and I know that he stood for righteousness. This, these people that are my closest friends, they hurt me, they, they betrayed me. Uh, I know the story of Joseph. Um, and I know that he was thrown into the, a pit and then what, what man used for evil, you know, God used for good. And so I'm going to cling to that. Or, um, you've got, you've got, you've got the word of God. You've got, you've got the words of Jesus in the sermon on the Mount, or you've got, but you've got the word of God so that when you face it, you've been formed by the word so that when you face difficulty trials, 
You're, you're, the first, your attitude towards the scripture is one that is, uh, you're pursuing it. And so you pursue that even more than you pursue Google, even more than you're gonna try to figure out, hey, the, I, I think that a master class will teach me first. I, I think that this, um, this guru who says they're smart, I'm gonna trust them first. That you have trusted, built your life. That's why Jesus said it in Matthew 7. You, I built my life on the word of God. And that you would say, that's, that's me. So I, I've never done this before. I'm gonna read a Bible commentary to you. I read this and I was trying to like sum it up and I thought, I'm just gonna read out of a Bible commentary to the church today. So here goes. I don't know if this will work, but we'll try. The church today is not perfect. It has spots and wrinkles. Spots are caused by defilement on the outside while wrinkles are caused by decay on the inside. Because the church becomes defiled by the world, it needs constant cleansing. And the word of God is the cleansing agent. So James says in James 1.27, keep yourselves unspotted from the world. Strictly speaking, there should be no wrinkles in the church because wrinkles are evidence of old age and internal decay. As the church is nourished by the word, these wrinkles ought to disappear. Bless the Lord. Like a beautiful bride, the church ought to be clean and youthful, and youthful, which is possible through the spirit of God using the word of God. One day the church will be presented in heaven, a glorious church at the coming of Jesus Christ. So this is the word of God, the cleansing agent that's helping prepare us to be presented to him as a glorious church or a radiant church without spot or wrinkle. So how do you and I use the word of God to cleanse us? How do we make that practical? How does that not just be a theory out there that a, you know, some preacher talks about, but in your Monday through Saturday, how do we get that where the word of God is like that for us? I wanna give you a few thoughts. I wanna invite you to start with your attitude towards God's word. How, how, when you think about your heart posture, everybody's got a reason to say, this preacher offended me, this uh, Bible class offended me, this guy on the internet, this friend wounded me. Don't let those circumstances alter what do you think, just you, God, and the word of God? How, what, what kind of authority, what space, what kind of allegiance exists in your heart for that? I wanna, I wanna go after your attitude towards it. Psalm 119 says this, verse 97. Oh, how I love, that's a big word. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. <laughs> all right, welcome to church. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. So number one, I want to invite our attitude to be to, to love God's word. Real simple, but I'm going to give you three. I'll tell you up front. I want to invite you to love God's word, learn God's word, and live God's word. That's what we're doing today. Real simple. It's like old school youth camp. Here we go. All right. Love it. Love God's word. What would it look like for that confession? Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. It, it, they, 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 they feed each other. If you meditate on it all day long, you'll love it. If you love it, you'll start to meditate on it all day long. And so I was thinking about illustrating it this way. Uh, this is um, one of the things that I, I, I so love about my bride, Renata. I was um, not a, a tea person. I'm still not a tea person, actually. But Renata's a tea person. And so um, we actually have a room that I try to call our prayer room, and she wants to call it the tea room. But that sounds too feminine for me. So I won't let her call it the tea room. But there's a conflict in our home because she calls it the tea room. I call it the prayer room. And the kids are like, What's the room? You know, like, but nonetheless, Renata loves tea. And so uh, I think that many of us would, uh, the way that I would say we meditate on God's word would be kind of like 
We, we, we get a little bit. So we get a little Bible on the run. We get that little check the box mentality. We go maybe four, maybe five, 10, 15. All right. And, and so, so our lives take on their, our an identity. Renata's small group is called identity. 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 It's Renata. I just adore her. And so she has moms and girls. It's identity. Uh, we'll talk about the Bible and forming their lives around scripture. But, but you'll get about that much. And that's obviously not very dark. Um, that's just a little bit, but this is most of us. And this is, and, and, I, and again, I'm not talking about the person that never engages with the word of God. I am talking about Bible engagement people. I'm talking about people that actually ha- have some of the word of God in them. But of course, what we want to be is the people that meditate on it all day long. We want to be people that over the course of the day and the week and the month and the years, we meditate on it all day long and it forms us. It starts to transform us and change us. Psalm 1-2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. David, this sounds kind of intense. I actually do want to invite us to a lifestyle that is not, um, I don't mean to be mean when I say this, and, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be like snarky and rude. I do think that there is a form of Christianity that is no fractions, I'm all in with Jesus, that has greater delight than the duty-based, um, box-checking, minimalistic, I want a little bit of religion, but I really wanna do my own thing. And I think this exists a lot in American culture. So I'm repeatedly going after that on Sundays because I wanna invite you to a relationship with God, to Bible formation in your life, to community in your life, to generosity and serving and prayer in your life where you're all in. And so I think of it as uh, like this. I think this idea of meditating on his word day and night, I think it's something that you can, many people just punt on and they go, ah, that's for the extremists. But instead of disconnecting because of calling an extremist, take the word of God and say, what would it look like if you were to try to say, I actually, instead of forming an opinion about each uh, text, I want the text to transform me. Meditation is I want to accept it. I, 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 I want to just take it for what it says and say, God, I want to bend my life around your word. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was martyred at age 39 um, for his faith, he said it this way. Just as you do not analyze the words of, of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart as Mary did. That is all. That is meditation. So I accept it. I'm going to, I want it in my life. And so that's what I want to invite you to. I want to invite you to meditate on it, accept it, meditate all day long, watch love or delight grow in your heart. And I think it's a sacrificial step. Driving, running, on the treadmill, turning off Netflix for for a moment, you know, getting the word of God inside of you so that at the end of your time with God, you've got one verse and you just think, this is the verse I'm gonna think on all day long. I'm gonna come back to that verse. I'm gonna pray it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it in my head and in my heart and my head and in my heart and come back to it. And I think that's sacrificial. I, I get that. But I wanna invite you to so prioritize your relationship with God that you want to do it. So for example, Renata and I, in our relationship, uh, we've been married for 23 years and uh, one of the jokes that we make with each other is that uh, we, 
we desire to have a five-star marriage. That's one of the things we say. We say, we want a five-star marriage. That's, that's us. And we made that up. And so if you think that's weird, sorry, but that's kind of us. And so we made that up. And then what it led to, and, and originally it was, this is our aim, this is our goal. But what it led to is moments where we're like, I think right now we're at a 4.2. I think right now we're at a 3.7, you know? I think yesterday we were, we were a 4.8, but then you said this, now we're a 4.6, you know, like, uh, sorry. I don't really have a beard that long, but I'm enjoying this. So this is, that's what that is right there. I don't know what that is. Okay, but so like, for example, uh, eight days ago, like I had a moment where I, I made a decision um, and, and there was something that I had committed to that, I, that, that for me to say no to it was actually a withdrawal um, in a ministry environment. But I, I knew that I needed, I wanted, I desired, the relationship means so much. And I'm so wanting that five-star marriage that I, I voluntarily decided to say to this ministry environment, I'm so sorry, cannot. I'm gonna invest in, make the deposit in the relational connect on the five-star marriage, okay? So was, did I have to do that? Was it obligatory? No. Did Renata make me do that? No. Was Renata threatening me? No. It, here's what it is. It's the delight in Renata that says, I want, to, I want that step. And I think that's a part of meditating on the, and loving it. Is that it's, it's, I want you to say, I want, a, I want a five-star relationship with God. I don't want 4.2. I don't want 3.7. I don't want 2.1. So one of the ways that it'll start to form you is I'm gonna invest the sacrificial step. And I meditate on the word of God and then it starts to form me and I start to realize I'm actually... I'm doing this, but the word of God says this. And that's when you know if, if God's at work in your life. It's like when you buy a house and you're like, okay, if you buy the house, then you paint it, you rearrange the furniture, it's your house, right? So guess what? Jesus is your Lord and Savior. <laughs> he purchased you. You know what that means? When you decided to let him be Lord of your life, he goes, oh, I'd like that room to be uh, white sand, and I'd like these, this to be moved around. I'd like this over here. That's called the word of God. And what we often do is, oh no, you don't. Mm-mm, that's my house. Don't touch that. But he's going, oh, hold, hold on a second. I want the, so, so the way that you see the word of God, your attitude towards the word of God is I delight in it and it forms me. God, I want, I want you to form me. I want the word of God to shape me and mold me and so um, I was, I, 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 there's a young man that um, I was uh, dialoguing with and he's, he knows the Bible. And, and so I was just impressed. Just the Bible comes out of him. And, and, uh, and, and I thought, uh, th- like, what, what's your education? You know, like, I, I'm, I like education. I did bachelor's and master's, so I kind of like that conversation. And he said, oh, I did do education, but that's not how I learned the scriptures. He said, I learned the scriptures uh, stocking groceries at Safeway through the night uh, in, my, in my 20s. That's where I learned the word of God. And he, I was meditating on it. And then I like this phrase, you know, day and night. He was saying, at night I would meditate on it and that's how it formed me. And I just thought as a pastor to you, what would it look like for you to start to say, okay, where is the space in time? When you mow the yard, when you run, when you're, when you're on your treadmill, when you're, I don't know, doing something, you know, like what, what's, a, what's a potential space that could be a space where you could listen to the word of God. What he did is he said he kept a, a Bible in his pocket and he would pull it out and he would read a verse. He would put it back in and then he would stock, you know, the Campbell soup and he would pray and he would 
quote it, pray it, dialogue with God about it, apply it. Read the scripture, make an observation, memorize it, pray it, activate it, and just working on it as he was um, working at the grocery store at night. Uh, another friend of mine that I love, and um, I tell this story a lot, it was one of the moments that marked my life. So over the next 20 years, you'll probably hear this 20 times, because I'll probably tell this story every year in some sermon. But one of my heroes is Dick Eastman. And so uh, I, I've served for many years with Dick Eastman, and um, I've actually known him since 1997. And uh, I sat at a Barnes and Noble with him in 1997, and, and he was writing a book, and I just remember like watching him, and I just, I just like him. I just enjoyed him. But uh, when I was in my 30s, we were on the front row. Uh, he's a, he, he, he led a missions organization uh, for about 30 years. He's still on staff there, but um, he's, he's now, uh, now he is the chief prayer officer. That's his new role, um, which I love that. CPO, baby. And, uh, but, he, but, but we're on the front row, and Dick Eastman had spent, um, in, his, in his 30s, he made a decision to spend an hour alone with God every day without missing a day was his aim. After reading the moment where Jesus said, can you not wait up between me one hour? He wrote a book on it called The Hour That Changes the World. And then he was doing what he wrote the book on every day of his life. And some days he would do it on, on an airplane, some days at his house, some days at Barnes and Noble, wherever, but he would spend this hour with, with the Lord. And he had his journal and his Bible. And so he said, uh, he said, he said, hey, David, look at this. And you know, he was in his seventies and he wears, you know, like V-neck sweaters and hey, you know, and he's like, look at this, you know, and I, I said, what? And he goes, I got my Bible rebound. And I was like, cool. You know, like, and he goes, no, 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 I just got it back. And I said, oh, great. He goes, yeah. He said, you know, he goes, the young lady there, um, which, you know, she was probably, you know, in her sixties or seventies, you know, it's like the young lady there, she's like the young lady there. She told me, uh, it would take weeks to get it back. And I, but I wanted this Bible. I've been using, he said, I've been using this Bible for nine years. I just wanted this Bible back. And I said, okay. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but I looked at her and I said, no, 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 I can't wait. I can't wait a couple weeks. I need it tomorrow. And she looked back at me and she said, sir, you'll have to get in line for everybody else. And he said, oh, no, no, I need it tomorrow. And she said, sir, you'll have to be like, every, it takes a couple weeks. And he looked, he said, I looked at her and I said, young lady, name your price. I'll do whatever it takes. Name any price. And David, I had it the next day. <laughs> and I said, so how much did it cost? And he goes, I'll never tell. <laughs> but here's what I love about that story. It's a value system. It's what? Man in his 70s, when all of his buddies are buying boats and cruises and, you know, going to look at you know, birds for $10,000 on a cruise in Alaska, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not putting that down. I'm just talking about, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't mean that to be rude. Um, I was just talking about like, wow, I'll pay any price for my Bible to be rebound in 24 hours. Like pretty cool thing. And I think it's a value system. It's, I, I, I think how great for us to, to get that in us. So I want to invite us to love it, to meditate on it. I think if you'll meditate it, you'll start to love it. Um, I think it, it, it'll start to do that transformative work. And then the second idea is this, is, is that we learn God's word. We, we really learn it. A, a, a study from Baylor University about Bible reading said that reading the Bible actually um, reduces anger, anxiety, and depression. Actually, the, uh, the number one verse in 2022, last year, 
that was highlighted on the Bible app is Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. My guess is, is that, as, that that's the number one highlighted verse right now because it's what everybody's struggling with. This anxiety, uh, de- this, this depression. And so I wanna encourage you, this is according to this study, uh, get the word of God inside of you. 30, 30% of Bible readers are less lonely. 59% less likely uh, to look at pornography. 200% more likely to be generous with their time and finances. 228% more likely to share their faith. I was recently talking to a lady, works in a, a public education environment, and she said, I just can't even fathom sharing my faith in my environment. She goes, I just think it would be, it's just too hard. So here, 228% more likely to share their faith. I wanna invite you, just look, what, what would it look like for you to love it and then read it, start to learn it. And I think if your attitude towards it changes, where you go, I wanna love it and then I wanna really get in and learn it, I think you'll change the way that, you, that your attitude is towards it. I think many times we'll look at the Bible kind of like you would look at you, you know, the manual for your truck, right? Like I got a truck and I only look at the manual if I have to, like if something's broken. Um, I think sometimes people look at it like their, their iPhone uh, upgrade clause. Like, oh, I have no idea, no idea, no idea. Sure, 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 sure. I agree, I don't know. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes just like Google. Oh, I, I need an idea. I, I'm gonna flip, 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 flip. Okay, and, and I, I like all Bible engagement rather than no Bible engagement, but I think if you will actually learn it, study it, get it in your head and your heart, It'll form you. I do believe, without out of doubt, all scripture, word of God, is God breathed. So you want to get God, teach me, show me. And many times, I think we have a false idea of how well we know the scripture. I think that we think we know it more than we do. I think that we think that we have a foundation because we have a memory. The Christian school that you went to, you know a few Bible verses. And I'm not being like a Pharisee in saying this. I, I want to try to invite you to that quote that we started with, like it's wide and it's deep. And so how, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, I wanna know it. God, help me see it and know it. Let let it get stronger in my heart. Because I think many times, if if you'll learn it, it'll form you and you'll get stronger. And I think sometimes we, we don't even know, we don't, we don't even know what we believe. And, and, and so many times we've even learned it wrong. If you learn it wrong, you'll live it wrong. Sometimes people believe things are scripture. They're not even in the scripture. I mean, for me, one fun story. I, I told you, you know, in, in Colorado, I, I worked as a youth pastor for many years. And uh, we had just finished a, a youth conference. And one of the men in the church that I thought was my elder, like I thought he was so old, you know, because I started there when I was 23 and started doing these youth conferences. And I think he was 37. But anyway, uh, <laughs> now that I look back, um, uh, I just thought he was old because he had kids. You know, if you have kids, you're old. You know, like that was what I thought back then. And anyway, uh, he came up to me and he said, David, I saw this room packed with teenagers. This was the greatest. This was so awesome. I loved this. You know, this church does some good things, but this is the, I love this. And he said, you know what? You were a good hire. He's like, out of all the pastors here, you embody that verse. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> And I looked at him and he was older than me. I was trying to be nice. And I smiled. He was like serious. And I was like, bro, that's Kevin Costner. That ain't the Bible. You know? that's, that's field of dreams, my man. You know, like, 
<laughs> I remember when I was, <laughs> when I was a, a teenager. You know, I've told you the stories about my dad discipling me in my teen years. And uh, one time I was extremely busy and my dad was encouraging me to pray about each, all the leadership things I was doing. And he was like, and I, and I looked back at him and I said, dad, no, let's just go. Let's just do it. I was like, I was like, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. And you can imagine my dad, those of you that know him. Hmm. Hmm. Son, where does the Bible say that? I have no idea. Yeah. Of course, for those of you that are like, no, that's good. No, it's not in the Bible. That's just, like, is that Kevin Costner too? You know, but where we want to get is where we, we learn it. We, we love it. We learn it right. We learn it correctly. We learn it correctly and in abundance so that when you face whatever wounds, so many people are so wounded all the time. But if you go, no, I will not let any unwholesome words come out of my mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up. Or you say, I will be kind and compassionate. I will forgive others as I've been forgiven. I will, you know, pick your verse, but it's, it's in your heart. It's in your head. And as you face the fiery darts of the enemy and all the things that cause people to just live constantly broken. You have a degree of wholeness, a degree of formation because you've got the word of God alive inside of you. When we look at Jesus, our example, Jesus, I mean, you go Luke two and you find Jesus. He's, he's, he's knowing, hanging out, knowing the scriptures as, as a 12 year old. He's they're, they're marveling. And he's, he's got the word of God. When he steps onto the scene and he's quoting Isaiah, Jesus, our example, he's got the word of God in him. And so we tend to have all these reasons. Tell you what, I got, my job is this. My, my retirement is this. I got to stay fit. I, gotta, I, I certainly need to be in three fantasy football leagues for, you know, just to stay socially connected. And we got all the reasons that pushes out the word of God. I want to invite you. What would it look like for you? Not a mean preacher demanding, but the Holy Spirit inviting. I just want to invite you to just ask God, what, God, what does it look like for me to stand on the word of God? What does it look like for me when the storms come? Jesus in Matthew 7, when he says, when the storms came, they built their life. They, the word of God is there. I want you to build because those storms are coming. Uh, 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 my dream is that you love it. You learn it. You got it in you. And that'll help you live it. Listen to the way Jesus says in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, these words, these words, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on a rock. We've got to practice it. So it's not just that I know it and I can quote it and, you know, I did Bible memory or, no, I want to do it, God. Lord, I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. God, I, I think about it. I want to learn it correctly. And, I, and, and so that God, as I face difficulties and trials, I'm ready. Um, I would invite you in how you think about your life with all the things that you have uh, that are coming after your time and your attention to put the word of God so central. And I'm going to tell you a story. Um, so when I, in, in about 2001, maybe 2002, summer youth camp, um, I, I kind of got a rebuke. Um, someone, rebu- someone rebuked me, like my, the leader. So I was the guest speaker, and I was like, you know, talking about Jesus. And um, this, this youth pastor, he goes, 
hey, David, uh, I want to talk to you afterwards. I was like, wow, never, I had never had that happen. You know, like, I was like, okay. And he said, um, I, I just felt like it was just too harsh what you said. I said, me, harsh, what? You know, and he said, that phrase where you said, um, hey, stop where you know movie lines and song lyrics more than you know the scripture. He said, I just felt like that was a little, a little mean. Like, like this is, you know, we, some of these kids, don't, they don't, they're new. And, and I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry, so, so sorry. So let's think about that this week. Because I was thinking those kids now, they were high school back then, they're in their 30s right now. You know, they're probably 34 to 39-ish. And I was thinking, okay, I, I think if I could go back, I would say it stronger than I did. Because I think back then when we were all listening to Britney Spears and quoting Adam Sandler and, uh, you know, so much of the diet was so much of that stuff. I, I just, I think, I think if today's 30 somethings had lived the message that I said in the moment where I said, imagine if you knew the word of God more than you were able to just sing another vanilla ice song. Uh, imagine if you knew the word of God. Imagine if you could say it, you know, imagine if you could speak it, if it was in your head and in your heart, what if we, you know, and I don't know how many of us were there. There's probably like 25 kids there. You know, what if we were the ones that we memorized it? We got it deep and it was, we meditated. I just, I was thinking, man, I think, sorry. I think those 30 somethings right now would probably be in a, in a good spot. I think right now, if I, I don't believe in time travel, but if I could time travel, I'd go back. And I'd say, a little bit louder, a little bit stronger. Then I hugged the youth pastor afterwards. I said, let it lie, as I said. Just let it be, baby. And I want to invite you, 20 years from now, it's coming quickly. It'll be here before you know it. And I want to invite you, God, how do you want to rearrange my life? What would it look like for me to meditate on your word and love your word? God, I want to learn it. God, I want, to, I want to know it. I want to spend time in it, wrestle with it. And I know the Bible, so, there's so much, so many challenges and people talk about all kinds of different things, but it, love it, learn it, get it in your heart, get it, get it to be your, what you enjoy discussing and talking about, dialoguing with God about, so that then you live it. Then it's like, then I practice it. Who takes these words of mine and puts it into practice. The people that I know that have gone through storms when they have the word of God inside of them, they stand. Well, the Bible says, the enemy comes along. And Jesus looked back, it is written, it is written, it is written. I'm just dreaming about a bunch of you 37 year olds when you're 57 saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. I had this mean youth pastor, he kind of grew up, not really, but you know, like. That's, that's, I wanna give you just a few thoughts. How could you practically take a step? I love that. Um, James Clear book that came out about atomic habits, which is like, just take a, a micro step, like a micro habit, start something. I just want to give you just a few ideas. How could you take a step? Now, um, I have one friend and his Bible step is, uh, he, it's, he calls it his first app. So it's the Bible app on his phone. And before he goes to Instagram or fantasy football or email or iMessage, first app, no matter what, it's his own law. I, I'm going to meditate on the word of God. And his whole way that he does it is it's the first app of the day. And so that's him. He's young. And that's, that's the way he thinks. I have another, um, we have a man in our church 
that he, his thing is, the way he does it is um, he will not eat physical food until he's eaten spiritual food. So it's, he calls it daily manna. So he wants his bread from heaven before he gets his bread from, I don't know, Chick-fil-A. You know, like, uh, like he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna feast on the, on the word of God before he feasts. And so for him, he, he literally will not eat until he has spent time reading the word of God. Um, some of you go, wow, that one's intense. I know. Um, but I'm giving you, I'll give you some easy ones too. All right. Here, here's, I'll make up an easy one. Open the Bible out. That's it. That's it. Open it. That's it. Okay, good. There, that's an easy one after the, the eating one. All right, I got another friend. What he does is uh, he checks his screen time about how much he was on each app. Um, and then, and then he's, his goal is that the Bible app is number one. Like that the, that the word of God is the number one app that he's on. So uh, like he showed me, like last week, he was like, yep, I was on iMessage more than the Bible app. Bible app was sitting lower, but Bible app has worked its way up over the last year as he's made this his goal. And his goal is to get to where the Bible, and so um, now I was like, bro, you just opened it and left it there all day, didn't you? No, I'm just kidding. So, um, we, uh, I, 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 for me, I, I love two things. I, I, like, I like a prayer journal where I dialogue on the scriptures, and my goal is not necessarily to consume a lot, it's to have a dialogue with God, but then I like uh, the one-year Bible so that I'm just going through the Bible every year. And that's where I'm just learning it. So for me, the love it is for me, dialogue in the prayer journal. And then the learn it is for me, one-year Bible. And then what I would encourage you with is some people don't do one-year Bible. because like, I get so far behind and then I feel guilty. What I would encourage you is, <laughs> yeah, this is what I do. So if you think this is Laodicean, you take it as you will. But what I do is if, if, I, if I miss that, thank you, Jamie. I'd love that. Jamie, she's got a Bible degree. She's laughing up here. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't have shame on that. If I miss it, I'm like, ah, oh, all right, I'm gonna get it tomorrow. But I, what I have found is if I get multiple days behind, then my temptation is to just give up on the whole thing. So there's a, another one, a lady in our church. Um, she, uh, she took the idea of the one-year Bible. She's a creative and she made a post every day of one verse, just one Bible verse every day. Uh, you know, it's got art and cursive and then the next day it's a different font and then it's a picture and then it's a drawing and you know so she but but what it does is it's bible engagement and so for the for the creatives the right brain you know it's like that's that that helped her take a step Uh, i have another friend here's what he does he has a daily commute and so he does uh he does he does the bible first thing so he does before he does sports radio before he does a podcast before he does an audiobook he's like i'm doing bible first um and so that was, that was me uh, in Colorado when I had little kids. And uh, it was very interesting. My kids, when they got older, they, they would ask me questions uh, about things I had no idea they would know about, about where about so-and-so laid with so-and-so and so-and-so was born. And, and they were like, what does that mean? And I was like, how do you know that? And they were like, it's in the, it's in the Bible, the daily, the Bible experience. And so anyway, yeah, my kids learned about that through this. So anyway, um, <laughs> confession. <laughs> Sometimes it backfires. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, another one is this. Is, is, it's just, your, just a small group. Like Dad and I are working on next semester. We want to have, um, have a hub of small groups where we're just studying the book of James or studying Ephesians. And just when you learn the Bible in community, a lot of times that small group, it'll just uptick. It's a form of connection with other people. And so and, um, 
I have another friend that his whole idea is he's going to always go uh, devotional before he goes digital. So he goes paper Bible and he knows if I get onto that phone, iPad or laptop, I'm done. Email, text, something's going to pull me in. So he just goes paper Bible. And the way he says it is I go devotional before I go digital. And he just keeps it all shut down until he's spent time in the word of God. Um, Another man in our church, uh, he sends out, he spends time in the word. And then he, as a form of accountability and distribution, he sends an email to the people on his email list every day. Um, and then, and then I'll give you my last one, my, my favorite, Renata. Because Renata sits at the same, sorry. Same chair, same Bible, different cup of tea every day. Just the, the word of God. What happens? You meditate on it, spend time in it. It's not a light. You start to like have the Bible form you. And it gets like this, just darker, darker. And I, I'm not going after a specific way or formula. I just want to invite you to go after the word of God and it, let, it, let it form you to becoming more of a radiant bride where you are holy set apart the ideas it's kind of like um when you sit with your spouse and you just say tell me what you're feeling and they just start to explain what's going on in their life imagine sitting with God and all of scripture is God breathed you sit with him and he just it's like the word of God the bible is him just telling you here's what's here's the way to see the world imagine that taking that moment to say God I'm gonna listen I want to invite you would you just bow your heads and I just want to pray for us. I'm dreaming that this becomes more of who we are as a church. Would you take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, what word of God step could you take? How could you grow? Is the Holy Spirit saying anything to you today? Father, I just pray, Lord Jesus, for every man and woman, teenager, young adult, every child, God, help us to love your word. Help us to learn it well. We wanna get it in our hearts and in our minds. And we wanna live it. So when the rains and the storms come, we've put doing it into practice. We stand. And I... I thank you for each person here. God, I just, the fact that they're here in this environment, this culture, I mean, church attendance, I just bless them, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to love your word. I pray on a Monday and on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday and on a Thursday and on a Friday and on a Saturday. So many words of others. Words on screens, words on signs audible words coming at us from people's opinions from every direction. People that we know at work, people at school, social media, everybody tells what they think. God, I pray amidst all the words that God's word would live in our hearts, that God's word would be our foundation, that God's word 
but cleanse us and prepare us as your bride. Wash us, form us, transform us to look like, be like Christ in a very challenging generation. We give our lives to you. Today, if you desire to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, he'll save you, he'll rescue you. And he, he gives eternal life. It's a gift. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So today, if you wanna receive that gift of salvation and make him your Lord, I invite you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Save me and change me and make me a new person. I wanna spend forever with you and I wanna know you now. I need new life now. My way's not working out. I wanna follow you, Jesus. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's all stand together. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we as Radiant Church, we're committed to you. We're gonna help you go on that journey. I'd invite you to come up here in a moment at the end of service and tell somebody that you made the decision to follow Jesus. There's Bibles up here. You could tell somebody at the new here uh, booth right out here. If you wanted to, you could go online and you can could, could scan the code any way possible to let us know that you made that decision. There's a card on your seat that's a paper card. You could fill that out. You could drop it in the white bucket that's a black bucket that's about to pass by. Um, we would just love to be in touch with you and help you on your journey. Let's pray for our offering. Father, we love you today. I love, I love, I love what you're doing in our church, God. I feel like you're forming us into a radiant people. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless every person. I pray that you bless every person that um, sacrificially prays, sacrificially gives, sacrificially serves, sacrificially loves, sacrificially lays down their life to show Jesus to a generation that needs God. And I pray, Lord God, the favor and the blessing. Now, God, we give cheerfully, we give gladly. We thank you for the way that you're at work. God, I do pray for our young people as they gather here in two weeks. I pray that that would be a supernatural gathering. God, I pray that little gathering of teenagers. I, I, I've just, I've watched it over the years. We're little moments like that. Tears of a 15-year-old fill the carpet and they're changed and they're a different person. And I pray, Lord God, I pray for our kids, my kids. I pray for every teenager, Lord God, in our church. God, use that little moment, that little snapshot weekend. God, do something special in their lives. God, thank you for this update from Pastor Nathan about our building. God, we pray that that space would be used for generations to declare the goodness of Jesus to Kansas City, to America, and to the world. God, we ask that this process, Lord God, that we need for renovations, this process that we need with the city, all the things. God, provide everything. You've been so good. We won't stop thanking you. Now, God, we give generously, cheerfully, gladly. We love being your kids. We honor you in Jesus' name.